Hey, thanks for listening to The Create Unknown. To unlock the extended, ad-free, full episode, sign up at patreon.com slash thecreateunknown. Now on with the show. This episode is brought to you by Audible. Go to audibletrial.com slash thecreateunknown to get a free audiobook. And stay tuned for my book recommendation. That's audibletrial.com slash thecreateunknown. Now on to the show. Welcome to the Create Unknown. I'm your host, Kevin Lieber. With me, as always, is Matthew Tabor. But this time, he is beaming in from where are you, Matt? Uh, Armenia. Yeah, Armenia for um, yeah the World Congress of Information Technology Summit in uh, Yerevan. So, yeah, I just got here a couple hours ago and... I, I'm tired. I, I flew from uh, Ukraine, and it was it was the absolute worst worst flight of my life. It was like being in a hot garbage tuna can with <laughs> hot air blowing on top of me, and it was like full. They, they there had to have been more people than seats on that flight. So I feel terrible, but that's okay. Uh, this, this reminds me of something because I, I'm so excited to admit it to you that I'm going to, I'm going to say, I'm going to tell you something without you asking, but actually, you know what? Ask, ask for me to tell you something (laughs) because this is the stupidest story you'll ever hear. All right, here we go. Matt, tell me something. Okay. I, I am the, the worst airline passenger I've ever seen. And on one day. I, you are on okay. one day. I did something that was abysmal and abominable and unforgivable, and I totally forgot to tell you because I think I was flying to VidCon. Did I tell you about uh, about the, the the problem with the YouTube song? <laughs> yes, you did tell me this. It was uh, the Saint Elmo's Fire theme song story. Oh, oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, I I didn't realize that I I told you. Well, I guess I've already told you something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you have to tell everybody now what you did. Which, well, first of all, let me just say that taking your shoes <laughs> off, I think, is worse than what you did. What you did was annoying, but it's not gross. It's not gross. It's just kind of well, like right. irritating potentially for your neighbors on the plane. Yeah, nobody got sick by what I was doing, but it, it was uh, it was unforgivable. Yeah, I was I was really tired, and you know I had like my head down. This, the plane was just starting to take off, and I open up. Uh, there's no Wi-Fi on this flight, and I hadn't downloaded any audiobooks. I was done. So in YouTube, you can save videos, and for some reason, I only have two two videos saved in that app. And it's our episode with Quebble Cop, which I downloaded to listen to as I was driving through a place with a lot of dead zones. So I couldn't, couldn't stream anything. I'm like, oh, I'll review this episode, this episode. Um, 
so that was on there. And the other is the the official music video for John Parr's St. Elmo's Fire. If you don't know this song, it's from like 1984. It was on the soundtrack for the movie. And it's, you know, it's one of those songs that's awesome and terrible at the same time. And there are a bunch of, in my opinion, weird things that go on in this song. There are choices that they made with like when to use an electric guitar and when not to and when to have distortion. Like there are like 15 elements to St. Elmo's Fire that I am puzzled by. Okay. So I, I listen to it and I'm like, wow, I, I'm really going to go deep down this St. Elmo's Fire rabbit hole. And so I listen again. And each time I'm focusing on different things. I probably listened to the song 15 times in a row, okay? It's a long flight from New York to L.A., and I think we were stopping in Chicago or something. Um, like, I don't have anything to do. So I was sitting with my head down, like on the, on the tray table, half asleep, listening to this. And then, then my headphones beep in a way that tells me they're not connected. And I realized that this whole time I've had my phone on max volume <laughs> blasting St. Elmo's fire 15 times in a row. And I was so tired, I didn't even realize it wasn't coming through my headphones. It was just blasting to the plane. <laughs> I played for about 50 minutes St. Elmo's fire on loop with my head down. <laughs> I don't know how nobody nudged me or like called a flight attendant to murder me. Um, I deserved it, but that was just the most obnoxious thing, which I totally did by accident. But still, the 15 people behind and to the left and in front of me had to have thought like, this person is severely mentally ill if they have to put their head down on a plane and can only listen to St. Elmo's fire on loop. <laughs> That's why they didn't bother you because that, they were terrified of what the consequences may be. If they interrupted, interrupted your ritual of, uh, you know, soothing your fear of flight with St. Elmo's fire blasting. But I, I am surprised oh. that a flight attendant didn't say anything. Like I understand uh, uh, somebody next to you doesn't want to cause an awkward a situation for somebody that they have to sit one centimeter away from for several hours. Right. But you would think that the flight attendant at some point would be like, sir, <laughs> can you, uh, yeah. you know, keep that to yourself? <laughs> yeah. hey, oh, can you, can you put your headphones in? Your headphones aren't engaged. Oh, it's, it was early too. It was like seven 30 in the morning. So, <laughs> so I had to get on that flight, at, I think six to get there at a reasonable hour. So not only was this happening, but everybody was a zombie and half, half, uh, asleep, you know, miserable, hating life to fly out of Syracuse or whatever. <laughs> I really wish we could interview one of the people who was, who heard this because I, I, I imagine by like maybe the fifth time, like I, which I, I wonder which number of replays it was that really kind of like set their blood boiling. Like I would say <laughs> it's gotta be by like maybe the sixth time around you're like, okay, yeah, somebody do something. Because this needs to stop. I'm not even familiar with this song. I really want to listen to it now after after we record this. Oh, it's so it's so good. Uh, and that was my takeaway when when I you know finally connected and landed and and I was like, oh, well, it, it, almost everybody lost 
today, but the one winner was was John Parr because <laughs> many people, like at least a dozen people, heard his song over and over and over in the worst possible environment for an hour, and nobody revolted. There was no revolution because St. Elmo's Fire is a good enough song that I could pull it off. If it was, you know, I don't, I don't know any other song that was, uh, you know, on that same loop. Are they going to tolerate it? <laughs> uh, probably not. Probably not. But St. Elmo's Fire, you can get away with it. We did fly recently, though, to Rome and back to build a pasta chair. That was uh, the main thing that I really wanted to talk about today. You know, we took this past week off because we, quite honestly, were kind of recovering from that, what was it, like uh, about 19-day just gauntlet of from the moment that that yeah. was greenlit to the moment that mm -hmm. it was uploaded. Uh, I don't really remember much of that. It was just kind of like wake up, work all day on whatever needed to be done for the pasta chair, go to bed and do it all over again for almost three weeks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was 19 days where it just like you said, every waking moment, it was pasta chair in one way or another. Um, it was like, it was like somebody just drops a baby off on your doorstep. You're like, oh, I have to care for this newborn infant every hour of the day, because if I don't, it's going to die. So then I don't want a dead baby. Uh, so <laughs> we didn't want, you know, a, a dead pasta chair, did we? Um, but that process is, uh, I, I can't recall a whole lot like it uh, in, you know, working with a bunch of people and hearing uh, about different types of production. What, what you pulled off in that that 19 days uh, is absolutely worth going into detail on. And so I, I hope we can do that. Yeah, we will. But you mentioned babies and it reminded me of the baby gang. So the create unknown that's right. Patreon baby gang are now proud parents because, because they received yes. their babies. They literally got the baby on the doorstep, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, they did. Mm -hmm. They did. Uh, and the first one, I think, uh, yeah, the first one, I think, to to show proof uh, was Isaac, uh, who, yeah, his his little baby, Scoop Magoop, uh, arrived. So Scoop Magoop was, let's see, he was uh, put in his favorite little burlap sack, which uh, babies, I, I don't know if you know this, but babies like to sleep in burlap sacks. Didn't know that. Um, it's it's fallen out of fashion. It's one of those traditions that we should bring back. But, <laughs> but yeah, babies should be put in a burlap sack and have have the like the string tied up around their shoulders so they're bundled. You know, mm. um, it's like the and womb. then stuffed in a shoe. Mm. Yes, <laughs> and then stuffed yep. in a shoe, and then yeah, <laughs> and stuffed stuffed in a, a, a Russian style athletic shoe for babies. Yeah, everybody in the baby gang got a vintage uh, Russian athletic shoe bed for for their baby. Uh, Scoop Magoop went out, rip suplex, um, <laughs> slam cheese punch. <laughs> I think we need and to provide we'll putting, like yeah. more context to to what's going on here. So, 
when okay. when we I think it was the first episode where we relaunched phase three, we announced the Patreon. Part of the the whole deal behind that was how excited we were to do kind of weird things with the community and with the patrons. And the baby gang is really kind of like the first manifestation of us executing that vision. And here's how that went. So this week, Matt gathered uh, all of the packages, all of the stuff to get sent to the baby gang. Everybody received their packages. And what was in those packages was like a series of kind of odd things that, you know, we've collected over the past several weeks. Uh, one of which was you got these antique baby shoes at what a flea market. Yeah. Massive antique show. I was there with, uh, with Ben W and Vedette in our discord. Uh, we, we went out and went shopping for the baby gang. Uh, so the first wave, the first wave, uh, for the baby gang and, and all the patrons, uh, is that's what's happening. And uh, we found this table of old shoes. I mean, it, it, you saw them. They they were strange. Like, there's a, there's a creep factor to those shoes in a delightful way. Well, they were too creepy for me. So, so <laughs> like, you and I had, like, a slight disagreement on that I wanted to paint them. Yeah, because... I wanted to quit the podcast over that because <laughs> because I was right and you were wrong. Right. Yeah, Matt wanted to keep them creepy and looking like a horror movie, and I wanted to put a little bit of the the pink and the blue electric paint that we used on the wall here, just kind of put them a little bit like stripes of that, like spattering, like kind of like '80s spatter paint. And so, anyway. We did that. My wife did that. She painted them. Then we have the little tiny plastic babies that then went, like you said, literally in a burlap sack. And then the bur burlap sack baby went into the painted shoe, the custom painted shoe. And then we also yeah. created birth certificates. <laughs> we created yes. birth certificates yes. for every single baby and gave them their own name and their date of birth and everything like that. So I'm sure that um, if you go into the Discord, we'll, we'll be sharing some of that in in there. And also maybe we could put just some some images up here too so people can see what the what the baby gangs, uh, the, our, our new foster parents, you know, received in the mail. Yeah. And some people have a tougher, they're going to have a tougher time than others because every baby comes with an origin story. I mean, you, you can't just throw a baby at somebody uh, with no knowledge of what that baby has been through. Um, so uh, for example, uh, a pair of babies, uh, we found them in Rome at the Colosseum. There's this, there's a little, uh, very small pit in one of the sub rooms deep down in, and we found these babies fighting in that pit. Uh, like modern day <laughs> uh, infant gladiator. And so we, we had to rescue them. And that's the, the kind of thing that these foster parents need to know about. So we included an origin story for each baby so they can understand the challenges that face them, why babies behave the way they do. Some have had uh, anything on the range of trauma to celebration that has, has made them who they are today. Uh, 
everybody uh, should should have their babies by the time this comes out, except for possibly James. He's in Australia, and it takes 78 years to, to send a package <laughs> to that remote planet that happens to be floating somewhere on Earth. Um, but yeah, even that wasn't so bad. They, but the post office gives us bizarre range. So like, <laughs> what do you mean on the international? Yeah, on the international uh, priority mail, it, it said something like one to four weeks. I'm like, oh, okay. That's it's like Kevin. Difference. I'm going to meet you. Yeah, I'll meet you uh, for lunch. Uh, you be there, okay? You do your part. Bring enough money for lunch and sit down and be there, which is the equivalent of me sending this package. Uh, and I'll I'll be there. Anytime between 1 p.m. and 8:30. Um. <laughs> it's like the cable company. The cable company. The they're going to come. You know, any anyway between 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. Like, oh, okay. Well, I guess I'm not doing anything today. Um, but yeah, the the all of that is to say. The first wave of Baby Gang stuff is out. We're really excited about it. If you want to join the Baby Gang, you have to go to patreon.com slash the create unknown. And you, too, can be a TCU foster parent. But let's get into uh, spaghetti. I have with me let's right here spaghetti. a foam disc filled with rods of spaghetti that really started this idea. So I saw... Mm-hmm. an image of this just on like Google images. And if you've watched the pasta chair video, um, you know, in it, I say like, what if I'm the book? Because in this, like uh, uh, the, the point of this DIY engineering project is to show that, you know, you can hold like a hardcover book with just this spaghetti. I literally thought, what if I'm the book? When I saw that, I thought how much spaghetti or how much pasta would we need and how would it need to be constructed for me to sit on it and have it hold me? And, well, three weeks later, you know, we found out in Rome. (laughs) Yeah. I do want to point out that you held up, you held up the most famous uh, base, uh, what did you call it again, a foam... Foam disc, the foam base of the nose. Yeah, foam disc. Yeah, you you just held up the most famous foam disc poked with spaghetti on the planet. Like, there's no question that that's not the most famous thing of its kind. Yeah, well, you know, I'm I'm honored to have it here. I'll, 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 I actually only saved it because I wanted to hold it up in this podcast. I cleaned up <laughs> everything else this week, but you know. We did, we did miss a week because of uh, how crazy – we missed a week of the podcast because of how crazy it was just getting back from Rome. And that whole process was just so insane because we only had – so I think it was September 12th perhaps that we found out mm-hmm. that, that the, the project was greenlit, that LastPass wanted, wanted to support the idea, mm-hmm. but – the video had to come out with within September. Like it could not come out October 1st. It had to come out in September. That was just part of the terms of the collaboration. So at that point, you and I looked at the calendar and we were like, uh, yeah. how are we going to pull this off? So, yeah, we need to go into detail about about that part, I want to back up one piece, though, because there's 
there's a, a really critical element to this, which uh, it was awesome that LastPass reached out to you and said, hey, what do you want to do with something? Originally, you had a completely different idea. And that's a big part of why this turned out the way it did in terms of the timeline, because um, there, it just uh, took a while to, to go through that idea. And by the time everybody was comfortable with it, that idea couldn't be executed because it was seasonal in a way and the season had passed. Is that right? Yeah. So initially, this goes all the way back to July, LastPass. I've done several... Uh, videos with LastPass. I really like working with them because I really like LastPass and I actually do mm -hmm. use it and I find that it makes my life easier. You know, I, I've gotten criticism from people being like, oh, you know, you can explain what a paradox is, but you can't remember your password. And it's like, well, <laughs> look, I literally use a different password for every single login that I have. And I have a lot yeah. of logins and some of them I haven't logged in uh, to these accounts in several years. So I forget what the passwords are. And some websites having different rules about what passwords can even be. That is the one that really annoys me to absolutely no end that like some websites like a, I think like AT&T is like this, or at least it used to be where they're like, you can't do this and you can't do that, but you can do this, but you can't do that. And it's like, oh my gosh, like talk about limiting your ability to have a secure account. But anyway, so I actually do use LastPass and I do like promoting it and working with them. So they asked, you know, what, what would be like a big idea for you? Like, you know, we've done uh, uh, kind of standard integrations on Vsauce 2. What would it be like to do something like, like if we can help you make a video that you could not make by yourself, what would it be? And the initial idea was, yeah, it was something that had to do. I, I don't want to give it away exactly because it might be right. used in the future, but it was completely contingent on the summer. And the way these things play out is it takes a while to get approval on things. It's just kind of like the nature yeah. of anything. And by the time the idea was approved, it was just, it was almost the fall and it, it, it just wasn't going to work. So then we kind of had to start from square one with a new idea. I had just recently seen the spaghetti foam thing and wanted to make a spaghetti chair pitched that. And then by the time that went through its series of approvals and got greenlit, we had, you know, three weeks, less than three weeks <laughs> to do yeah. the video, to, 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 it, it was to do it. Yeah. It was less it than was three less. weeks. And you, you glossed over uh, a couple parts that I, I, I think people need to know. One of them being when that idea came through, it was like, thumbs up, you're ready to roll on, on idea number one. Um, when that had to be rethought, it was same day. Uh, it was like, okay, what's idea number two that you can give us in a detailed way by the end of business day today? So it's not like <laughs> there was even time. I mean, I remember you, you called me and you were like, so... There's good news and bad news, <laughs> but it was literally hours. And in terms of um, in terms of making that video, it's like, what's going to be a compelling thing? 
what can actually uh, be done with like a reasonable chance of success. If so, who's going to shoot it? How can uh, who can we reach out to to make the video more interesting? I mean, all of those things you have to have a pretty good sense of before you do the pitch, because there's no sense in pitching something that you can't pull off. Um, but none of those things are 100% either. So we had hours, literally hours, to kind of come up with a probability of success with probably 12 different factors. Oh, and you know, it's got to, you got to be able to afford it too. You can't pitch something uh, that's going to cost a million dollars to make. Um, and then obviously, can it be done on, on that timeline? So when you go on the timelines too, this makes a tremendous difference, like the, the really tight ones, because uh, there's a, a component of international travel on this. Okay, does everybody we need on this have up-to-date passports? If they, if they do, um, do they have enough time, like with, it's called the Schengen Agreement in, in Europe. It, generally, you can spend something like 90 days out of every 180 in, uh, in the European countries without needing a special visa. Um, for the U.S., I think it's 180 days in, in a year in a rolling period. But it's totally feasible that somebody could have had a project somewhere and they're out of their allotted, they're out of their allotted days. And in that case, we would have had to get a visa for them. Um, that's just the weird rabbit hole that you go down on every little root of this topic. And that's the thing. It's like, it's like something growing underground where the video is whatever's sprouting up on the top. And underneath there's this insanely complex root system with like a hundred different little branches going in whatever direction. It's one thing to do that on a big, big project with a lot of time. And we've done that. Uh, if you've got three months to sort out all those details and make it make it go four months, um, you know it's not that bad. That's what we do. So yeah, we can we can figure it out. To have to come up with it in hours, like the equivalent those three to four months, we had three to four hours to go from zero to an idea that could be executed, a really complex idea. That is insane. That's crazy. It's like, it's like a hackathon. Uh, or uh, what's the, the thing for games? It's the same thing. Game Jam? Mm, I don't know. I haven't heard of that. We were talking about it in Discord a couple weeks back. It's basically a hackathon where you get, you know, programmers and designers and writers and all this to come up, uh, make a game. Um, a goat simulator came out of a, a game jam, I believe. Oh, okay. Um, you have a weekend to come up with something, you know. But that's the crazy part here. This was the result of, of that same sort of process where it's like, hey, do the best you can, but make sure it's going to work because... I can't imagine that, um, you know, anybody would have been happy if the thing was a total disaster and you're like, oh, sorry, but we tried. That doesn't work. No, they and they were worried about that. That was like a, a criticism that I had heard when we first pitched the idea. They're like, well, what if it doesn't work? Then then it's a pretty anticlimactic, pointless video. 
So we were like, well, (laughs) we'll make sure that it works. But guess what? We weren't sure. I mean, we didn't know. We didn't know (laughs) up until literally in the video when I'm sitting down on the chair for the first time, which was the first time we tested it, whether or not it was going to work. So when when everybody there was elated that it worked, like that, that was a genuine joy because of, of all of the work leading up to that moment, you know, and we still were, were really quite unsure whether or not the thing was going to hold. And I was thinking the other day that the, like a behind the scenes kind of documentary style of the making of that video would almost mm. be more interesting than the video itself. I, I certainly think it would be to a certain segment of people. I watched recently the um, the Between Two Ferns movie on Netflix. Oh, yeah. And at the very end, during the credits, they show a bunch of outtakes, a bunch of bloopers of Zach Galifianakis with these celebrities. And that, to me, was more entertaining than the entire movie. It's like a four-minute like <laughs> supercut of bloopers of behind the scenes. And you get to see, you know, like John Hamm cracking up because, you know, obviously they're all in on the joke. But it's very funny to see them naturally react. And I think that it would have been a similar thing kind of – because when you create a video like the pasta chair, you know, you have to create it in such a way that there's a story. There's a beginning, middle, and end. Um, you know, there are some like tangents, uh, for instance, the, uh, why does a, a boiling pasta make it soft, but an egg boiling an egg makes that hard. You know, you have these kind of like bits that are very, um, kind of showy, you know, because that's the point of creating videos like that. But I think that the human element of the fact that it was just like me and you and Norby and Johnny, who we never met before, okay? Like, we didn't know no. these guys. Here's how Here's how we found them, okay? So <laughs> the night, the night that yeah. the project was approved, mm-hmm. you found Wretch. You found the Spaghetti yeah. Bridge Building competition in Hungary. You found their yeah, website. I did. There's actually a create unknown connection to all of this. So, so initially we thought that, uh, that we would build this, like we alone would, would build this like start to finish. That's totally possible, um, uh, to do that. We, we could have done that. Um, in the very first episode of the create unknown, we talked with Destin Sandlin smarter every day. One of the things we ended up going in the weeds on was, uh, this series of science competitions called the science Olympiad. Uh, Destin had done that when, when he was young, I'd done that when I was young. One of the things that I, I did year after year was making, uh, towers and bridges out of balsa wood. And that, uh, it's basically the same thing as spaghetti building. Um, people use spaghetti now because it's, it's, uh, it's more of a challenge and you can also bend it so you can make fantastic arches with spaghetti that you can't do, uh, the same way with balsa wood. Um, anyway, so like I have a rough familiarity of, of building out of materials that you shouldn't build with. And so Kevin and I started talking about what that process could be. I'm like, okay, yeah, we can sit down and design something that will, hold your weight. Um, my concern is that it wouldn't, it wasn't going to look good. Like 
yeah, we can come up with something that's going to support you. It's just probably not going to look like a, a chair. Um, we thought, okay, well, we can do better than that. Uh, or we want to do better than that. So I start looking around and found uh, Wretch, which it took forever to find out what Wretch actually stood for. It turns out it doesn't stand for anything. It's just the saddle. <laughs> like, it's an it Yeah, yeah. It's, it, because it's capital letters, I thought that it, it stood for something. Um, but yeah, it's just that sound of the cracking and crinkling and crunching of the structure about to fail before it finally blows. Uh, so, uh, yeah, they, they were in Budapest in Hungary. We had no choice but to just literally cold email the only address and name that, that we could find on that list. And you, you wrote an email that was essentially, hi, I'm Kevin Lieber from the, the YouTube channel Vsauce2. I make videos about this kind of thing. I'm building a pasta chair in Rome. Do you know anybody who could help? We don't know these people. We didn't know anything. I mean, we went to like the, the Hungarian database of professors to find the email. It's not like we had a personal connection. Um, no, literally, uh, that's what I wanted to interject and say that like, we literally copied and pasted names from like a press release about yeah. the wretch event into a Hungarian professor database <laughs> mm -hmm. to find their email addresses. And then cold emailed. Uh, so I CC'd a couple of people who I thought would have some idea, like who to point us in the right direction yeah. of. And one of them did. One of them was like, I don't have anything to do with this, actually. Uh, but the other guy did. The other guy contacted Norby. Norby asked his partner at Wretch, and he couldn't do it. Yeah, so, and Roland had to say no. Yeah. So partner. Norby's actual building partner couldn't do it. So then, mm -hmm. you know, Norby asked Johnny and Johnny could do it. And then it was just about like, I mean, I can't imagine how weird it was for them to, to <sighs> even think like, is this real? Like this, yeah. these Americans want mm -hmm. to fly us from budapest to rome to build a chair out of pasta like is this really happening this seems really sketchy <laughs> it does and i know that i'm gonna bounce around here a little bit which i'm sure it's hard to follow uh if you're listening but imagine us living this part of the confusion and us talking about it is reflecting what it was actually like to juggle like 17 chainsaws that are all <laughs> high rev you know um but so we sent that email, and the reason we sent it when we did uh, is because on September 10th, we get the thumbs up on this, um, and we know that it has to come out on September 30th. At that point, we have to work backwards to figure out when we can actually do it. So, you know, they need to make sure that uh, the video is is okay with them. It's got to be approved. Um, you know, you can't throw out some crazy thing and link it to LastPass. Uh, you know, so uh, like, oh, here we, we do have babies juggling chainsaws. Uh, <laughs> thanks, LastPass, for making us, uh, making this possible. Just right, you a can't, horribly you, hazardous thing. You can't do a brand deal and just upload the video without them seeing it first and approving right. it, which means right. that the video has to 
actually be done well in advance of September 30th because that's when it actually has to upload. But they have to Mm -hmm. see it before then. So then it really had to be done like September 26th. Right. So that's when you've got to have a a, a reviewable rough cut. It's going to take four or five days to edit this thing, which it was pretty complex on the editing side. So there's so many different shots. Um, it, Tom from Aspect Science helped us out with that and did a fantastic job considering <laughs> like, considering that he wasn't there to see the, all the filming because if you know what, what is in those files, it's that much easier to organize them and make something out of it. But he wasn't there. Um, he just had like a hard drive of trash dumped on his desk and he just had to make something awesome out of it. Not trash uh, of, of beautifully shot, uh, <laughs> images by Don Burgess okay. of spaghetti yes. building for three days, which, I, you know, I'll do a new metaphor. So you like dumped a bunch of Scrabble tiles on the table and told them to write a book out of them. Is that fair? <laughs> that's very fair. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. perfect. Sorry to call your life's work trash, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that's not normal at all either. Uh, you know, most of the time there's going to be some like carefully written script that you can match up clips with and this and that. Right. So release on 30th. We need the time for the rough cut. Take it to the 26th or so. Then we back up to give Tom enough time to make something good and for you to make the changes that you need to make, uh, the edits, the revisions. So then we're looking at like the 21st. So it's the 10th. That means we have to have all of these files done and shippable into Tom by the 21st, which means we probably have to shoot starting the 16th or 17th. And this is where it gets really dicey because the 10th is the green line. And then we have to start shooting on the 17th and be finished by the 21st so that all of the other stuff in the post-production, whatever, can come out. That gave us seven days to figure it all out. And that night we got the green light, we threw a Hail Mary, like, prayer of an email to a university in Budapest that we have no connection to. We don't know anything about it. Uh, we didn't even know how to address the guys properly who we were emailing to say to them, can anybody come fly to Rome seven days from now? It can't be later than that. And it couldn't be sooner because we couldn't do it sooner on our side. We had this extremely tight window that could only, that's the only opportunity that we had. So not only did we pull this contact out of nowhere, but we sent them something highly, highly specific that literally was, are you free next Thursday to fly from Budapest to Rome for three days of pasta building? Trust us, we're real. (laughs) Trust us that we'll actually pay for your travel and accommodations. Um, You have to tell us immediately because if we don't hear from you in the next eight seconds, we have to start working on plans B, C, D, E, and F, which as we're waiting for a reply, that's what we're doing. Like, what if they can't do it? What if they say no? What if they never reply at all? If that happens, how long do we wait before we work out another solution? Uh, We got so lucky 
that we woke up the next morning um, and there was an email <laughs> from <Yeah>. Norby. <laughs> There's an email um, in, in English. I wasn't even like totally convinced whether or not, like, I, I don't know how well, you know, they know English to begin with. I mean, I know that you said, well, that, you know, in the universities, they pretty much usually do uh, know, know English well enough to like, you know, get yeah, by. Yeah, academics, academics, the academics no. are, you know, it's, it's a necessity. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, some people just don't bother with an unsolicited email that, that is, I, I'm stumbling on it because there's no way to describe it. There's just no equivalent. It's, it's not even like, like junk mail, like a letter that you'd get, uh, that you really didn't expect. Um, there's just no equivalent. Uh, but they got it. They sent it to Norby who runs, uh, the, the Wretch program. He's a, he's a student, like the, uh, top student of, of, you know, Wretch administration. Um, and he got back to us I'm like, yeah, we're free. We'd love to do it. Yeah. Um, so that was a big, big hurdle, right? Uh, all of a sudden, we had some really cool people to build with. But we had no place um, to build. We would had no had idea no where we were going to do this. <laughs> I swear to you there was a small clump of cheese on my chair just now. And I'm kind of horrified by that because I, I don't have any cheese in here. Uh, I haven't eaten any cheese in here. I haven't had any cheese today. I don't think I've ever had cheese in this room. So somehow on my person, cheese hitched a ride. And I, I guess I sat in cheese <laughs> and then it came off on this chair. You just never know when your body might be covered in cheese. What you should know, though, is that The Great Gatsby is one of the greatest novels of all time. It's really short, too. You can listen to it probably pretty quickly. It's poetic. It's, 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 written, it's written in such a way that it's, it's evocative and it uses words like evocative and it makes you feel good it's by f scott fitzgerald it's an absolute classic and if you haven't i mean if you like watch the movie nah that's like not the point of the great gatsby you have to read the book or better yet listen to it by going to audibletrial.com slash the create unknown you'll get a 30-day free trial you can listen to the great gatsby you'll support this show and uh honestly it is one of my favorite books of all time. Definitely top three, I think. And if you haven't, uh, you know, taken the opportunity to check out The Great Gatsby, you should. It's not a long book. Like I said, it won't take up like a ton of time. And um, I think it's life enriching. Kind of like secret pants cheese. So when, by the way, when we sent the email, that's when we decided Rome, because in in our pitch we said Italy. Well, Italy's a big place. Is it Milan? 
Is it uh, Florence? Is it Sicily? Uh, is it is it Rome? We didn't even know that. So the first thing we had to do was decide where in Italy this was going to be. So when, when Kevin says that we didn't have a place to film it, we literally hadn't, we hadn't even had the city down for more than like half an hour. <laughs> no, 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 no. So then, so then it did become a scramble of, okay, you know, I've never been to Italy. You've never been to Italy. We don't know anybody in no. Italy. Uh, I barely no. know anybody that has been to Italy personally, mm -hmm. at least, or at least well enough to like contact him out of the blue and say like, Hey, can you, can you help me out here? I swear to you, there was a small clump of cheese on my chair just now. And I'm kind of horrified by that because I, I don't have any cheese in here. Uh, I haven't eaten any cheese in here. I haven't had any cheese today. I don't think I've ever had cheese in this room. So somehow on my person, cheese hitched a ride. And I, I guess I sat in cheese <laughs> and then it came off on this chair. You just never know when your body might be covered in cheese. What you should know, though, is that The Great Gatsby is one of the greatest novels of all time. It's really short, too. You can listen to it probably pretty quickly. It's poetic. It's, 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 written, it's written in such a way that it's, it's evocative, and it uses words like evocative, and it makes you feel good. It's by F. Scott Fitzgerald. It's an absolute classic. And if you haven't, I mean, if you like watch the movie, nah, that's like not the point of The Great Gatsby. You have to read the book, or better yet, listen to it by going to audibletrial.com slash thecreateunknown. You'll get a 30-day free trial. You can listen to The Great Gatsby. You'll support this show. And uh, honestly, it is one of my favorite books of all time. Definitely top three, I think. And if you haven't, uh, you know, taken the opportunity to check out The Great Gatsby, you should. It's not a long book. Like I said, it won't take up like a ton of time. And um, I think it's life enriching. Kind of like secret pants cheese. That's when we just started going through Airbnb in Rome because, yeah. you know, getting a hotel, that wasn't going to work. Like we could not possibly build this <laughs> spaghetti chair, this, this pasta chair in a hotel room, not only because of the logistical like limitations of being in a hotel room, but also just the aesthetics of it. I was like, <laughs> why are we going, you know, if we're going to go to Italy, it has to look like Italy. Like it can't just look like the motel six, like down the block. Uh, so there's so a that, psychological element to that too, because it reminds me of uh, the episode of mind field where Michael is in the isolation booth for 48 hours. Imagine <laughs> if instead of just being in that booth, he was like, Oh, let me put six or seven people in this booth with a bunch of pasta and then make it 72 hours instead of 48 and see what goes wrong. <laughs> oh, that'll have to be a different video. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. It had to be uh, for a lot of reasons from aesthetics to practicality because we knew that we needed, um, yeah, about six people, you know, had to get somebody to film, uh, you know, two of us, there's going to be Norby and Johnny, 
and then uh, Maura helped out. Um, Maura Lewitt helped out with a million things. Um, and I knew that, yeah, you were talking about uh, uh, not knowing a whole lot about, about Italy and people who have spent significant time there. Um, I couldn't come up with anybody either. Um, she, she knows some Italian, which I, I still don't know how. She's never been to Italy, but she knows enough. Uh, we were at a restaurant and uh, the owner was Italian and he said something in Italian. And I think just to, for the, you know, aesthetics of that, um, and she responded back and then they started to have a conversation. Oh, I didn't know that you knew Italians. Yeah. And that was the end of it. It was a year ago and I still don't know why or how. Um, but I was like, okay, well, it would be useful to have somebody who has, you know, a bit of familiarity on that side, which that makes a difference on stuff like getting the taxis and shopping and like the, asking for help with things. Uh, imagine where we would have been with you know certain headaches uh, without that. So anyway, the point is that you need all these people. You've got to have them. If if you have two weeks, well, you can get away with doing a lot of that stuff because there's enough time. You can do it. But if you've got a couple days, like you cannot take two hours off from shooting something uh, to go deal with a problem. Somebody else has to deal with that problem. So we we went to a vedette in the create unknown discord with all of our parameters, you know, Kevin, you and I talked about what we needed. You obviously have a much better sense of what you needed on the aesthetic side to make a compelling video. We shot her a, a bullet list, a bullet point list of different things. Like it's got to sleep this many people and, you know, have at it. And she came back with two suggestions. Uh, she's an Airbnb wizard. Um, two pretty good suggestions. And uh, one of them was like eight out of 10 good. Uh, and then there's the 10 out of 10 good. And it was a question of, you know, which one do you want to do? What do you want to pay for? Um, the 10 out of 10 good was like three times more expensive <laughs> than yeah. the eight out of yeah. 10 good. But... As soon as we got there, I knew that it was the 1000% the right decision because that place was amazing. Like I wish that I couldn't come up with enough shots to utilize that environment to its fullest. Yeah. Because everywhere you look, so it's this there was this 3-acre villa that I, I, it was just an endless series of like beautifully crafted locations of like patios and fountains and like walkways and bridges and statues everywhere. It was ridiculous. It, like they could charge admission at the gate just mm -hmm. to walk through that, just to walk the grounds of yeah. that villa easily, easily. So it was, yeah, it was nuts that what you put in, you put in so many different elements of it and that just scratched the surface. You could have, that was like one, one twentieth of all the things that you could have highlighted. Yeah. You know, and one of the things that really sold me when we we're just watching the pictures of the Airbnb was the outdoor kitchen, because I knew yeah. that I wanted to do a scene explaining the boiling egg and the boiling pasta. And to do that scene 
I don't care like what kind of kitchen you have. It could be the nicest indoor kitchen in the world. It does not hold a candle visually to an outdoor kitchen. And that place had that outdoor kitchen. That's where we shot that scene. And that was actually kind of like the tipping point for why I decided it on that one, just because of the outdoor kitchen. But then once we got there and walked around, I was like, oh my gosh, like this place is a dream. And I couldn't, I couldn't have been happier with that decision and with that place. (laughs) It It was, was, it was amazing. It was absolutely perfect. It was absolutely perfect. And it was budget conscious too, which is always a factor. I mean, look, you can always get exactly what you need, wherever it is, anywhere in the world. Like I absolutely know this from, from going to different places. You can always get exactly what you want or exactly what you need. The question is, can you pay the price that it's going to take or are you willing to pay <laughs> to get that thing? Um, so getting something easy, being comfortable with what it's going to cost you is not easy. Uh, this was absolutely reasonable and awesome. Um, we were talking after the whole shoot what the equivalent would have cost uh, to shoot in the U.S. And it was three times. It Wasn't that the estimate? About three times more? Oh, oh, easily. Uh, easily, yeah. easily, probably, yeah, I would say, even say probably five times more in the U.S. Okay. Definitely. And the, oh, the other thing I wanted to say is that I knew that it was going to be quiet. That was the other thing I was super concerned yeah. with is that for any of you that, that make videos, you will understand that the audio is a lot more important than the video because I don't care what the video looks like. If it's, if it sounds terrible, it's useless. So like if you're shooting in some location where there's like a jackhammer in the background and people yelling, like (laughs) that's a useless, useless video. And I was super worried uh, when we were first figuring out where we were going to shoot this video, like how in the world are we going to find a place that's going to be quiet? And this place, the, the only noise was, were from the birds were <laughs> from like, yeah. like the parakeets. Everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can, you can hear them in some of the shots, but you know, yeah. that adds to the, uh, the, the environment and the ambiance mm-hmm. instead of detracting from it, like, you know, construction or cars honking or something like that would in any yeah. other like metropolitan shooting location. Mm-hmm. So at this point we have, at this point, we know the release date. We know the rough schedule to get there. We have cooperation from, well, we hope we hope that these uh, two uh, Hungarian students are going to come to Rome. We've decided that it's going to be Rome. We have a place to do it that we're pretty happy with. I mean, we didn't know the true majesty of this place until we got on the premises. But even beforehand, like we saw the photos, we look at it and know that it's something that we can work with. Um, then we have to get somebody to, to actually shoot this, right? So the video has to be shot in video. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there are cameras involved. Yeah. Um, and that was, you know, that was its own process. It was very much like 
like with uh, Johnny and Norby, where you reach out to very busy people. Anybody who's who's got the talent to do this, you know, in a way that that you're going to want. They're busy. They have stuff to do. They're really good at what they do, and they can't necessarily drop everything to go do something weird on like five days' notice. So, um, you know, we had to go down a little bit of a list just in terms of the easiest people that we knew to, to contact. Um, and yeah, yeah, uh, we we ended up uh, talking to uh, Dom Dom Burgess from. Uh, everything we've known him quite a while. Um, he makes really beautifully shot, interesting, like cinematic stuff on his YouTube channel. Like the videos are really awesome. He's also a total wizard in After Effects and and things like that. And so we knew that he would more than be capable uh, of of handling all this. Um, and so at a certain point, we just said, "Hey, we can't." We can't wait on anybody responding because we want to work with Dom on this. Let's just reach out to Dom and, and offer uh, this to him. Uh, miraculously, he said yes, uh, because he had a little window in his schedule. He's coming from England. So, you know, the flight wasn't quite as bad. You know, it was a few hours. Um, that made it that made it work. Uh, so then we have we have us, we have the Hungarians, we have uh, the Englishmen, and now we have to get everybody to Rome on the same day without it without it costing millions and as easy as possible for all the ones involved because anybody showing up completely destroyed from travel, like <laughs> like the way I am right now. <laughs> yeah, I, know, I was going to say, wait, but, but before we move on to, to the logistics, I want to say about Dom, I actually had never met him before. I, I didn't know him outside of just being familiar with his videos, but I would say that, you know, I, you know, we reached out to him because of how great his videos are. And yeah. if you just make stuff, I mean, this goes back to like, kind of like, my whole mantra with, with all creative projects. Like if you just make stuff, you, you, you are constantly getting better at it and you just put it out there. Eventually somebody is going to notice and you're going to get opportunities. And I think this was a perfect example of that where again, as, as, as random as the Norby Johnny email must've been slightly less random must've been like, Hey Dom, do you want to come shoot a Vsauce two video in Rome? Like, yeah. In five days, like that's pretty random as well. And he got the nod for that because he does great work and I, and I've seen it and I could trust that because we, you know, we looked into potentially hiring random camera people in Italy, but right. to it me, would be simple and easy to grab somebody who works in Rome, uh, who all their gear is right in Rome. Like right. we could have done that really easily. Yeah. Could have done that, but but I had concerns with that. I was like, you know, I don't know if there will be a language barrier. I don't know if how you know, just kind of like how hardworking the person is going to be. Because quite honestly, this is going to be fifteen-hour days, and yeah. but I know YouTubers will do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like yeah, I know. 
I know that YouTubers understand what it's like to make a YouTube video. Uh, I knew that Tom, or sorry, that Dom was familiar with Vsauce 2, so I wouldn't have to catch him up to speed, really, on what we were doing. Like, he would already be familiar with the, the vibe and the tone. So it just checked off, like, a lot of boxes that made me feel a lot more comfortable saying, hey, I know that this is going to go well. I don't have to worry about the video looking nice. I don't have to worry about getting along yeah. with this person. And I don't have to worry about um, just kind of another thing to be stressed out about for this process. I know Dom will take care of this and he'll be awesome. Yeah, Moving I'm on glad to the that next you thing. Pointed, yeah, I'm glad that you pointed, on, or, uh, pointed out this process when it comes to Dom, because you're right that it's so many things that we've talked about in episodes happened here uh, with with Dom. Okay, so he made good stuff and put it out there. So we knew what he was capable of. Uh, like you said, you were comfortable that it was going to be shot nicely, whatever. Uh, I'd say a year ago, I, I Skyped with him a couple times. Uh, we talked about some stuff. He was easy to talk to. He was like polite and funny and, and just a cool guy to talk to. So when, when we started thinking about this project, I knew for a fact that he was going to be easy to work with and easy to communicate with. Uh, this is really basic stuff. Uh, but that's the thing. You make something be easy to talk to, work with, uh, then there's a good chance that you're going to come up in the future in some positive way. And it takes a long time. It's a grind on that stuff. But it's basically uh, make things and be a cool person <laughs> that somebody's going to feel good about. And you yeah. saying that you could trust that it was going to get done in a certain way. Um, also his familiarity, like that really matters. Dom, Dom's channel focuses on science things. Okay. So it would obviously make sense for him to be familiar with other science channels, but that was a huge selling point here that he, from back in the day, uh, new Vsauce 2 stuff, that he'd made the effort to be familiar with the things in his own sphere. So we knew that he was going to have a good sense of how you were going to go about it. Uh, we knew that he knew the overall like science YouTube uh, you know, arena. All of these things made it so that when this weird project came up, we felt good about reaching out to him. Um, that same thing can happen in every single creative sector and honestly non-creative stuff as well it's do things communicate with people and be decent uh and take an interest in what they do you know get familiar with what's around you if you just do those three things you are like 97 percent of the way there and the, the remaining three percent is just getting lucky you know with something fitting um that's that's really awesome he exemplified Dom exemplified how to do that. And, you know, I'm not saying that he just got the most fantastic break in the world, uh, but he got a, he got a cool opportunity to work on a unique video that nobody else is, is going to have a story like that. Um, uh, and he got the call. Other people did not get the call because we didn't check the boxes that you just ran down. If you want to get the call on uh, whatever your projects are, come up with, with a checklist on like, what is somebody going to need to feel or think to 
reach out to me on something. Come up with that checklist, be those things and do those things, and you will get the call the same way that Dom did. And we had a great time working with him. Like, it was, on the professional side, it was very good. Uh, on the personal side, it was really fun. Uh, I had a great time for a few days with him. But, but yeah, he put himself in a position to get that call on this video, and that's why he got the call. And And that was the entire team. I mean... When you watch the video, you would probably assume that there was just this kind of like massive production behind it. I, I mean, that's how a lot of these things are, where it's like, oh, there's like 15 people involved and on set for making this thing. And I was like, no, no, this is the bare minimum. This is literally the bare minimum amount of people. Like even with, with Dom, like we should have had somebody helping him. I mean, yeah. the, the amount of work that he had to do by himself was like three people's jobs. And everybody he, was yeah. kind of doing three people's jobs yes. the entire time, at least. Yeah, and every single night was was late, late, late. I mean, it was like, I think the earliest night that we pulled was three, three in the morning is when everybody went to bed. Um, and, and Dom had the the longest schedule of everybody because he was just running around making sure this thing was being filmed and this was being recorded and this time lapse was time lapsing. Um, you know, he's got like 58 GoPros spread around this campus. There's probably like three there that we left, <laughs> you know, like weird little like HD landmines somewhere. Um, but yeah, you're right that everybody should have had a backup. Like if, we had unlimited money and unlimited time and all of that and had to do this over again. I think I would just about double that, that number of people. So, yeah. So I think that would be fine without being overkill to go to 10 to 12, uh, because Dom ran around so much. He, he burned more calories on the shoot than I burn in a year from <laughs> just bouncing around like a pinball to make sure everything was set up and done right. Uh, because, you know, what good is the setup if you know, the result isn't going to happen? Um, so that was, that was pretty exceptional. Um, so that gets us to, yeah, the, oh, the logistics stuff. Um, yeah. and that, that is, that's crazy. Uh, cause again, cost is an issue. And when we're trying to get everybody to a foreign country, um, you know, five, six days notice at that point, it was like five days. Um, I think we were leaving on a Wednesday and we were booking flights on Sunday. Okay. Uh, <laughs> dear audience, you may not know this, but booking a massive international trip, uh, three or four days away from that trip is not the optimal time <laughs> uh, for availability or pricing. No, especially <laughs> when there's like literally one direct flight out of Newark yeah. to Rome. So you don't have a lot of it, options. Yeah. And that was a consideration too. Do we, uh, do we like on the U S side? So Kevin Mora and I, do we need to fly from the same place? Do we have to be on the same flight? Uh, or can we go from Boston? Can Mora and I go from, uh, from Boston if we, we need to, um, you know, so you weigh these different things like the convenience factor. Uh, what happens if somebody's flight gets delayed? Uh, just all of this stuff. And even as far as New York city goes, uh, are you going to go JFK? Are you going to go Newark? Uh, what are, 
the travel logistics to get there and parking and, and this and that. So it was actually fairly straightforward and easy for Norby and Johnny and Dom because it's the equivalent of just flying a few states away. Uh, there were some cheap flights uh, that were direct and convenient. So they were really easy. We were, we were tough because uh, we also wanted to get there quite a bit earlier so that uh, Dom, Norby, and Johnny were, were flying in like to a situation that we knew all about. Yeah. So we had to get there at a very specific time on a very specific day out of a very specific place to a specific place. Um, but we, we made that work. Uh, we, we found, we found flights that actually worked and got those together. And then we cross our fingers on things like, uh, things like baggage. Uh, so if there's any equipment and your bag gets lost and we're on that kind of deadline, uh, we're in a really bad spot. That's so why I didn't a- check anything. So I, yeah. I, I packed like Tetris style all of the equipment into my carry-on <laughs> because I was really concerned. Like, all right, if my bag is lost and it has all of my equipment, then yeah. we're in a lot of trouble because <laughs> we have to make yeah. this video and we kind of need the equipment to record it. So, so yeah, that, that was a concern too. So I spent uh, hours kind of like meticulously organizing and packing just to make sure that I brought everything and that everything could fit in my carry-on and everything that I absolutely didn't possibly need, you know, wasn't going in there, but still making sure I had like backups of things and like extra batteries and extra memory cards and an extra shotgun mic in case something happened with the one that Dom brought, like, like, like that level of just equipment logistics was crazy. And you have to have several layers of backups with different people too. But at the same time, you don't want to double up too much and, and make it ridiculous. So uh, you've got your stuff with your backups with things like the mics and the stands and like this and that. Like, you know, Dom and I needed to bring what we could. I mean, he had his own, plenty of his own stuff uh, to bring. But we all want to kind of protect each other's stuff in case it goes wrong, but to a degree that's not crazy because we don't want to haul around a hundred pounds each of totally, uh, like irrelevant, unnecessary gear at the same time, we need to make sure we're not in a bad position. So how do you find that balance of like appropriate backup plans without being nuts about it, without going crazy on backup plans? Um, we probably were a little, extra conservative on this because we we had such a tight window and zero room for error so it was better to to haul some extra weight this time um yeah but it's a good thing you brought those light stands (laughs) that uh, we destroyed yeah Yeah. that made a difference Uh, (laughs) we would have been in in terrible shape um (laughs) without those thank god they were cheap light stands too Uh, so so replacing them is not a, a huge hassle at all. But we've talked about this now. I, I don't know. We've got to be on like an hour. And do you notice we haven't even talked about making a pasta chair? Like we haven't talked about building with pasta in this podcast. That's how insane this whole process was. That these are just the logistics on on everything and so much uncertainty with each part of the process. And 
there's actually a logistics part that pops into the building part. This was, this was the worst. So there's a very specific type of epoxy that spaghetti builders use. Okay. Uh, it's made by a company called Loctite. You see Loctite products everywhere in the U S uh, and they make kind of generic epoxy, uh, for, you know, the hobbyist and homeowner. Then they make some really high end stuff. That's like $20 a tube. It's very good. It has a, an applicator mix right in it. The problem is that you can't take epoxy on a plane because the way epoxy works, it has two components. Uh, there's a resin and a, and a hardener and both of them on their own are totally worthless. Like they just don't do anything, but when they combine in five minutes, it sets and 24 hours later, it is like granite hard. It's just rock hard. Uh, epoxy is amazing stuff. That's got to combine in that way. One of the components makes a bunch of smoke if there's a fire. Uh, so it's not like it's just a flammable thing that's going to blow up on its own. But anything that, that smokes a lot uh, or can smoke a lot if it's heated to that degree is generally banned on flights and requires a separate uh, mode of shipment. Um, so, okay, we'll, we'll bring everything we need and we'll get this epoxy somewhere in Rome because we should be able to find it at a hobby shop, like a model train place or, uh, at the worst, go to a marina and then go to boat places. You know, number two is automotive. They always have decent epoxy. We contacted, uh, Henkel, which is Loctite's parent company. They have distribution in Italy. All they would do is really tell us that you can get these products in Italy. It would have been nice to be like, yes, uh, uh, you know, 17A on Vatican Avenue in Rome <laughs> yeah, the sells pope. this. The, the, yeah, pope the, the, pope. Pope, <laughs> the Pope gift shop. It popesy. It's it popesy is, is what keeps his, his hat on keeps, and in place. That, that's what that's what the uh, Pope mobile is. The the protective bubble of the Pope mobile is made out of epoxy. So so because of the time difference too, you know, Italy is is what um, six hours ahead, I think, uh, of East Coast time, US. That made it really tough to try to contact shops and things like that. So we ask. Norby and Johnny to figure out how to get this epoxy. Um, they struck out with Henkel as well. Uh, then they called 19 shops in Rome. They just got on the phone and cold called. Uh, neither of them has any Italian. So they're just hoping that whoever, whoever's on the other end is going to understand their request for this highly specific type of epoxy. Uh, they got nowhere, 19 shops. And so it's like, okay, we, we have to have this material or something extremely close to it. How can we get it in legally? The best possible solution there is that we can't, we don't, so we try to get it in illegally. <laughs> and, that, <laughs> and that's what we had to do. Um, we, and we had a backup plan on that too, where... Uh, we said, Norby, Johnny, go buy what you need, uh, pack it well, you know, pack it safely, and then we cross our fingers that it's not seized by any security or 
anybody at, at the borders, which I've I read on forums that that uh, people who come to the U.S. especially, they can get these uh, these epoxies a bit cheaper and in bigger uh, quantities. So they'll buy the epoxy in the U.S. and then fly back with it, you know, for model trains and stuff like that. And then it gets seized and they just throw it out. I mean, if it's a hazardous material, they toss it and there it's like hundreds of dollars down the drain. Mm -hmm. So that was our gamble is can we, is it worth spending the hundreds uh, on this material when we're not sure that it's even going to get through safely? Um, so yeah, we, we basically turned Norby and Johnny into European Union epoxy mules um on the way to the airport i stopped at uh lowe's or home depot one of those i I forget which one because it was such a bizarre scramble um stopped at one of those and bought uh some supplies that we needed not dowels uh but everything else and i got a, a thing of epoxy which it usually comes, what they wanted comes in very small tubes, almost like those little travel things of toothpaste about mm-hmm. that size. I got two, four ounce bottles for a mix of eight ounces of epoxy. So I'm like, well, let's go big on the backup just in case. Uh, so I mule epoxy as well in case <laughs> theirs didn't work out. We'd at least have something. Uh, and, the plan B on that one was just if both of these get seized, we figure it out when we get there and we don't know how, but we'll have to come up with something. Yeah. Because at, at some point, like you can't have plans, you can't drag plan C with you also. Like you have to at least hope that plan A or plan B work out or else you'll just drive yourself crazy if you're also yep. doing plan C at the same time, it's kind of like plan C is only going to manifest when, when, and if it does, and then you just are going to have to figure it out. Cause otherwise uh, you'll never get anything done. Honestly, if you don't just kind of have to put your faith that, that it'll work out, your first two plans yeah. will work out at some point. At a certain point too, you just cannot expend the time or the mental energy on that element. You kind of go as deep as you can go with the backups and the analysis and whatever it is, and then hit a point where you say, okay, I have to switch to another priority right now. This is as deep as it can go without me sacrificing something I can't sacrifice. And we hit that point on the epoxy plan where it's just, even though that's such a critical thing to this project, we had to say, here's the best option. We couldn't do that. The second best option, we have to hope it works. If that doesn't happen, we will figure it out on the spot because we need to go back and spend time on these other things that are equally important. Um, so that's that was a really important part of the process too, is to constantly do that. Like, at what point do you say it is time to think about something else? Um, yeah, we we had to do that over and over and over. So at that point, we have. Pretty much everybody en route to the same place. We have a, a good idea of what the video is going to be about. Um, it, Norby and Johnny did some some tests as well. Uh, because, uh, again, they, they're used to building with spaghetti in a very specific way. Uh, their competition is entirely about um, weight 
to support ratio, really. The idea is to have the most efficient uh, structure. Um, we weren't as concerned about that. I mean, we didn't want to go nuts on overkill, like, ooh, this 150-pound uh, chair just held a 152-pound band. Can you believe yeah, it? This gigantic <laughs> block of like 97 packs of spaghetti I could sit on. Hooray. Like, okay, who cares? That's not very compelling. <laughs> but, you know, they're measuring things in grams and the support, uh, the loads that they, they bear are in the hundreds of kilograms. I mean, a couple of years ago at one of the wretch competitions, uh, I think they had a bridge that held uh, like 570 kilograms, which is uh, like 1,200 pounds. I mean, a spaghetti bridge that held half a ton. It's nuts. Uh, so we wanted to have their knowledge and efficiency on that. Um, you know, they, they test a few things out uh, because they were using cannelloni. Uh, it's just a completely different material. And because of the nature of like the cannelloni actual, I, I'm going to say it, Kevin, I'm going to say it. This is going to, you're going to lose every subscriber on every channel you've ever made. What? And this is going to get demonetized. What are you going to say? I'm going to, I'm going to call it a noodle. Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, the noodle like joins in a certain way. And so super glue is not going to work because it's so thin. It's so watery. Um, you know, is epoxy going to work in the same way with cannelloni as it does with spaghetti, which has like a lot of easy surface area contact. So they played around with, with those details before flying. Um, and then it was just a matter of, did everybody actually get on the plane they were supposed to get onto? Like, well, that's and not as easy as it sounds. No, at this point, we're just hoping that all 9,000 things that we planned mm -hmm. all work. Mm -hmm. And then we had to figure out where to get all the pasta. And then that turned yeah. out to be a problem, but that was the, a big problem, yeah. the, the thing, the thing ended up being that like the problem with the, the pasta, if you watch the video, you know, you'll, you'll know that the, they only had cannelloni with egg in it, which is more brittle than if it was just pure durum wheat. And the guys were pretty worried, like genuinely worried that this egg oh, yeah. pasta was just going to crumple. But the good thing about that is since we were documenting that process, it just kind of became part of the video. And that was something that was really yeah. interesting and exciting to me is that I have never made a video like this one before. I've never made a video that really had any sort of like documentary element to it where yeah. we were just kind of doing a thing and if problems happened, well, that's part of the video all of a sudden, you know, before the, the, the previous like <laughs> 600 videos I've made, if there was a tremendous problem, I cut the camera and I fixed the problem and I don't start rolling the camera again until it's correct. With this, it's like the camera is rolling problems are happening and that's just all part of the process. And that was a, uh, that was an element of the video that I ended up loving. Like I thought it was really, it was really fun for me because like I said, I haven't done a video like that before. And the kind of running into brick walls 
and figuring out how to get around them is interesting. And that's kind of, you know, when we started this conversation, I was saying that like the documentary of us just making this video would be almost more interesting because it was like 10 million brick walls along the way up until the video was live. And you only got to see like three of them in the video. Right. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it is so much more than three and the, the way the brick walls go down, it's, it's really crazy. So for example, a building surface, you know, where, where this chair could actually be built. We didn't, we didn't know where that was going to be until we got there. Uh, there was kind of a big dining room table and the inside, we'd seen photos of that and we thought, well, that's definitely going to work because it's big and flat. turned out we built outside and then we're thinking, well, is humidity a problem? Uh, is that going to weaken the pasta over a couple days? Now, we don't know. There's, there's no good way to measure that. Um, so with the table that was outside, it had uh, like slats, the constru- construction on the top, uh, like a lot of outdoor furniture. So in case it gets rained on, you know, the water's going to just not pool on the top of the thing. That's awesome. But is that conducive to building with little pieces of pasta that can fall through the slats. Um, then number two, we're working with epoxy. Uh, that is not coming off, not coming off furniture. If we have stray epoxy droplets and stuff, and we don't want to get dinged for a deposit on that kind of place. It would not be a hundred dollar penalty. <laughs> no, would, sorry, would, sorry, we got epoxy all over your priceless, like gorgeous <laughs> antique <laughs> table. Oops. It would be ten thousand and banned from the European Union forever. Uh, <laughs> so then it's it's that same hurdle there. You know what is it? Well, uh, Johnny and Norby they actually they uh, had a plan for it, which was to take cellophane tape and make a very tight grid on the top of the table. Uh, so number one that mitigated those slats uh, so nothing was falling through. And number two, uh, nothing, no epoxy was going to get where it shouldn't be. And actually number three, which is amazing, cleanup. They just like pulled the corner and yanked this huge grid. It was like a drop cloth when you're painting. Mm-hmm. You know, so cleanup for them took two seconds. It was awesome. So they clearly, you know, done this before. Um but that's one of those little hurdles where it's like, okay, this is not a throwaway table. We can just scrape it down when we're done. Uh, things like the dowel situation, you know, and I thought that we had that covered because we talked on WhatsApp about it and they wanted dowels that were about a meter long. Well, the, the, it, nobody had a suitcase long enough for that. Uh, I had the closest and I could go maybe 26 inches or something. Um, so I thought, okay, well, it's just a dowel. We'll, we'll get it at a hardware store when we're there. And then that didn't happen the way the timing worked. And they apparently thought that, that I had brought the dowels. Each of them thought the other one had brought the dowels somehow. I mean, and so we had to figure out what to do. Like, it's not hard to find something of that size that's exactly the right size. It can't be too thick for the pasta and it can't be too thin either. So... I forget what time of night it was. It was like it was like two in the morning. Uh, 
Oh, it was well mm -hmm. after midnight because they didn't start building that night until after midnight. And right. yeah, a dowel is such a specific thing, mm -hmm. like that shape. It's yeah. like, if you don't have that, what are you going to use to replace it? A, a broom handle? Mm -hmm. I don't think so. The, that would be way too thick. And yeah. I don't know how it popped into your head to break apart your light stands but that ended up being like a miraculous thing to use because they were perfect. Oh. oh, and so to to make that even stranger, so so those you know the telescoping uh, stand of any kind, you know the legs pop out, but they don't separate. Uh, we had to cut. We had to cut these legs somehow. Well, they're aluminum and thick aluminum. Um, you know, the stands, they weren't super expensive, but they are sturdy. I've had them a long, long time. So it's not the kind of thing that you can snap. You can't just break it over your leg uh, and deform the thing because that destroys the purpose of the dowel that you need. You need something straight and round and perfect. So I made a, a really big mistake, actually. Um, I grabbed the wrong bag with uh, a Dremel handheld rotary tool. I, I brought that just in case, because I thought maybe they would need precision sanding on something. And that has some, some uh, sanding discs uh, and sanding drums in it that might be useful. So my bag of accessories, I took the wrong one. And I actually took the one that has uh, chainsaw sharpening. Like I use it to sharpen the, the teeth on my chainsaw. And it also has metal cutting discs in it. So I took that accidentally so they had nothing to sand with. And then all of a sudden, the only possible solution to this tremendous problem is metal that needs to be cut. And I happened to screw up in such a way that I brought like rotary metal cutters from New York. Like you can't script that. I mean, it was just a confluence of weird things that worked out. No. Um, and that's not yeah. something we could have put in the video. But it is, yeah. uh, but again, it's so interesting how weird that was where you brought mm -hmm. extra light stands. The, yeah. the legs of those light stands were perfect dowels. Absolutely perfect. And yep. you ac accidentally brought the wrong. Well, first of all, you brought a Dremel, which was kind of like a crazy level of planning to even bring a Dremel. And then you yeah. accidentally brought the wrong accessories. That just so happened to be the perfect accessories for cutting the legs off your light stand at like two o'clock in the morning so that so that they could actually yeah. build these legs, which without them, uh, it, they, I don't know uh, what we would have done. They couldn't have built that night. They couldn't have done the legs. And at best, we would yeah. have had, had to woken up at the crack of dawn, found a <sighs> hardware store that sold Maybe. dowels, and then they start building the legs like the next day. That would have been pretty Maybe. pretty rough. That would have been rough for so many reasons. I mean, I was thinking about what we could have done. Um, it's possible that we could have cannibalized curtain rods uh, from some room, but those are usually kind of a D shape, uh, like especially the nice ones, like the really cheap ones that you can buy tend to be. Dude, there were uh, no curtains, and there were no curtains. There were no curtains. <laughs> there were no curtains in this entire in, villa. In the villa. Oh, uh, and getting to and from places was nightmarish yeah. in terms of taxis. It was, so the private village gated, uh, it was reasonably far out from places two, where taxis. It's two, two gates. 
It was like Two double gates. gated. Yeah, you, you had to get a gate, open a gate to get into like the area, and then another gate to get into the villa. And yeah. for whatever reason, Uber didn't want to go there. Taxis mm -hmm. didn't want to go there. It took us, I think, three hours just to get that pasta. That that night, that yep. the, that that segment of the video where like we're shopping for pasta was a three hour ordeal. Yeah. Not because shopping for pasta took three hours. That took half an hour. But the other two and a half hours was trying to get to and then back. I mean, we were 100% stranded at that supermarket. I had no idea yeah. how we were going to get back. Like Ubers weren't coming. The taxis weren't coming. <laughs> and then you and Mora showed up in a taxi and we got in your taxi and convinced this guy who spoke not a single syllable of English to no. drive us back to, to the villa with all the pasta. When we rolled up and saw you guys, you were just sitting on benches outside of a store eating pizza. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, literally. And looking, looking homeless and like you had nowhere to go. It's like, well, well, boys, where are we going to sleep tonight? Which underpass are we going to cozy up in? Right. Uh, it was pretty grim. And so I uh, more asked the guy if if he would just take you back to where he'd just picked us up and take that fare. And he said, yes. So yeah, had we not shown up, like you guys wouldn't have gotten back until midnight. Uh, it was just the strangest location for what we needed. It, oh, you and, know, you, and you couldn't walk to this. You place. couldn't walk. I was going to yeah. say you can't yeah. walk. There's literally no sidewalks mm -hmm. and the net and the roads uh -huh. are so narrow. There's no shoulder. So it's mm -hmm. like, okay, I could try to walk or I could, like live the rest of my life, my yeah. natural life, because I don't want to get it's, murdered by a fiat. It's all, <laughs> it's all uh, extremely narrow, very windy. Lanes are kind of just suggestions. <laughs> yeah. So the prospect of somebody whipping around a blind curve straight into you is is actually really really high. Really high. So the the crazy thing about this taking three hours is that it was a mile away. Anywhere else, the worst case scenario is like everybody takes a 20 minute walk down the sidewalk. Yeah. Uh, and like take in the sights. No, no. So I'm a little over a mile away. And the route it, it would have taken, uh, there was a way to do it, but it was. It was like you walked over three miles to get to this place in such a roundabout, strange way. So, and it was uphill, um, at least on the way back. So, yeah, to get uh, to get there would have been like two and a half hours of walking aimlessly in a place you don't know at night. Uh, in with, a very dangerous setting. With like <laughs> thirty with boxes of pasta. Of pasta. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous. Uh, so we had to we had to just deal with that one, and the whole time we're losing time. They got started so late because they had to. Uh, that's just the way it played out, and that sucked for them. It was, and then it was I, really terrible. Yeah. The other thing I really wanted to say, I don't want to forget, is that we had this whole plan to give the pasta chair mm. away in Rome. Like we were going to spend a full day, like all travel to like the heart of Rome, like like the tourist district of Rome. Mm -hmm. 
where everybody's walking around, the Coliseum is there and everything with this pasta chair and do like a whole scene where we're walking around Rome with all these people in this ridiculous pasta chair. And then, you know, talking to people about it, you know, maybe getting them to sit in it. Like that would have been really fun. There was literally no time. The the mm -hmm. scene where, where I'm testing and, and sitting down in the chair was the night before everybody left and literally the sun is going down and we are scrambling literally just to get this shot, just to actually test the chair on camera before it becomes pitch black outside. And mm -hmm. there were, there were even like a bunch of comments um, I saw where they're like, you know, why didn't anybody else sit on it? Like, why didn't Norby and Johnny <laughs> get to sit on it? And I'm like, I wish that they could. I That would have been great. I would have loved to have done a whole bunch of more stuff with the chair, but literally the only thing that was left to do that we had time to do is just like anything like mildly interesting or compelling or entertaining with it, which was just, well, let's just go in the pool with it because we're done. We're time's up. Time, we have, we have, we have no time that that shout out part at the end that segment where i'm like thanking people like notice that it's pitch blackout <laughs> because i literally got and out of was, the pool put it put a towel on did that yeah. segment um and we had to move lights um just to just mm -hmm. to get some light on my face because it was dark it was about five minutes from pool to filming that segment and it goes from nice sundown kind of scene to dark and weird yeah, uh, and that was literally five minutes. That's how close. That's how close uh, it it came through uh, to getting everything just done before the the sun went down. And that reminds me of another part that we this kind of didn't occur to us because there's nothing that we could do about it. Um, but when we're talking about how tight the window is and all these things that need to go right, we had amazing sun every single day. Oh, right. I don't even know what would have happened if we'd had rain and bad weather. Like it's over. Like we're shooting inside at that point. And as Dom pointed out, you know, I talked to him about it after uh, he said, well, shooting inside is fine. And there were a lot of really nice locations, a lot of cool rooms in this villa. So that would have been awesome, but we didn't have the lighting set up to make that look great. No, we just did not have those things. Uh, so we did all of this literally like just plain hoping that the weather would cooperate on the days that we needed. The whole thing hinged on it not raining and being crappy outside. But then um, that night, the night <laughs> that we finished, like the skies like opened and like the craziest yeah. storm ever dropped on Rome and it literally woke me up because it was shaking the villa. The The lightning was so close yeah. and it was just as if, you know, like the, the heavens were holding until <laughs> it is so ridiculous. But, but genuinely yeah. I thought that I was like, I'm so thankful that the weather held until the, the final night, you know, it finally broke and, and it, it rained like crazy. But yeah, mm -hmm. up until then it was gorgeous weather for all three days. That made it. Uh, that that made fewer hurdles. You know, it just was one more category of stuff that very easily could have been uh, extremely hard to deal with. 
Catastrophic. And it, catastrophic. Absolutely catastrophic. Because then it even comes down to this. Like, what if it's raining when you want to test the chair? Like, there's no swimming pool scene in the, in the rain. No. Like, this isn't, it's not playing out that same way. Uh, we have to come up with something else. Um, just even, like, overcast, terrible stuff in terms of lighting, you know, shooting outside, as opposed to having good natural light like that. Uh, that made things a little bit easier for Dom to have the sun to work with. Um, I, I, hope at, I hope at this point, anybody who's made it this far has a sense of how many elements there are to a YouTube video like this. Um, it's the kind of thing where, where a production company for a TV show, uh, I mean, they're going to have a million people, like you said, all running around with highly specific duties. You know, there's going to be somebody to operate the boom mic all day long. And that will be their only job is to make sure that the boom mic is on and pointed to where it needs to be pointed all day long. Mm -hmm. uh, we had a crew of, of six. I mean, six, six beating hearts. That's you being considered crew as well. Norby right. and Johnny being considered crew. Yeah. Which are, they're really not. They were talent. And, you know, yeah. so, and also, you know, somebody just to like dump all the footage and like label it properly so that when it gets sent to Tom, he knows what the files are yeah. that he's looking at. And he's not just seeing, you know, 300 files that just say P147 2020 and having like no idea what it is. But it was crazy. The thing is, I would love to do it again. <laughs> like yeah. that's the one thing. Like yeah. I hope that anyone who has made it this far doesn't get the sense that, like, oh man, these guys are complaining. I thought it was awesome. Oh no, no, no! It was awesome, yeah. and I would love to make more videos like this uh, with more time. You know, like the time crunch element of it was <sighs> was was not awesome. But at the end of the day, I'm so happy with this video in a way that is different than a normal Vsauce 2 video. It just felt different. Like when, when I finally mm -hmm. saw the final product and I felt like I could send it to like my aunts and uncles and they yeah. would enjoy it as opposed to a video on like the Frobenius number. Like I don't <laughs> right. think, you know, that my Aunt Jane is going to be like super into that. Do I think that my Aunt Jane loved the pasta chair video i know that she did because you know like she commented that they watched it i got so many comments from people who i never hear about watching my videos that loved that one there's just a different approachability um there's a, just a different yeah. level of approachability in that style of content while also still being rigorously informative i mean I had never seen anybody. I couldn't find anybody explaining why, like what happens when you boil an egg. I looked, there was yeah. like one paper on it. There's like no visuals. And the same thing with the pasta. Like I found this amazing thesis, this PhD, like doctorate thesis on pasta science and pasta chemistry, but there was nothing about 
visualizing or like giving some sort of analogy of what's going on, like what um, we did in the video, you know, and Scott Frank was, was key yeah. to helping with that. But, you know, there's still that stuff too. And, and that's, and I love the blend of those two things. I love the blend of like a video that my extended family can enjoy, but also has kind of like the chops, like the academic chops mm -hmm. to, um, I don't know, teach you something and you learn something you never knew that you wanted to know. Yeah. Yep. I think you, I think you described the whole project extremely well just now that it's, it's such a good blend of entertainment and, and information. Okay. And so when you're talking about, uh, like your aunt saying this, if you think about how you would present one of the other videos to somebody versus this one, it's, uh, I'm trying to think, uh, you'd have to go to somebody and say like, Hey, do you have an interest in game theory or like, right. Are, are you into probability with this? You can just say, Hey, want to see something cool? Like <laughs> it's a much easier sell yeah. uh, just to, to getting normal people interested. You know, that's, that's really awesome. I do want to lodge an objection though. Okay. Uh, I, I want to split with you slightly when we talk about doing this again. I like the time constraints. Uh, what I don't want is the time constraints on like arranging travel and scheduling. So like that should be done comfortably and in advance rather than last minute, like figuring out how to get a bunch of people to one place. That's crazy and it sucks. And it's not, it's not even cool, you know, like oop, I lost my light. It's not even interesting. If that was a part of the documentary, you'd be like, oh, so you had a hard time booking flights. Please tell me more. <laughs> and nobody cares about that. So that part should be done in advance for like money reasons, sanity reasons, whatever. But the actual build kind of thing, or even figuring out where to get some help, where to get some additional, you know, the Norbies and the Johnnies of the next project, even that kind of thing, I loved how compressed it was because it was like, we're starting here. We need to do a thing by this deadline. How are we going to do it? We're like, that's part of the intrigue. Uh, I love the way it turned out because of that. So I wouldn't want to, I almost wouldn't want to know going in that, we we had Norby and Johnny for this video. Like it, part of the challenge to me. Yeah, I, but if if they said no, then then we wouldn't have had a video. I just think like like the logistics. It would have been a different video. The logistics part of it has to have more of a <laughs> more of an incubation period. The production yeah. element of it, I agree with you, because it has that mm -hmm. hackathon feel where it does. Yeah you do have to give yourself constraints in order for intrigue to like naturally develop. Mm -hmm. I agree with you on that. Absolutely. That's yeah. part of the fun and that's part of what mm -hmm. was fun about it. Yeah. But, but, but yeah. the logistics stuff is not making it into the video. <laughs> it's not fun. No. And, you know, no. organizing like taxis and flights. Um, yeah. Like, like at the last minute, that doesn't 
translate to making a video any better. <laughs> that just <laughs> translates <laughs> to like to like hacking years off of my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So nobody's watching the uh, the unedited version of the video. You know, like the director's cut. And talk, you know, calling up their friend and just being like, dude, I just watched this video where they had to wait an additional two hours for a taxi. Like, right. Nobody, nobody's making that phone call because it's not cool. It sucks. It's dumb. It's stressful. And it blows. So like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, nothing fun is there. Nothing cool is there. So now the other stuff, though, I, I it would be really interesting to find out where to draw that line between prearranged like decent scheduling and and all of that stuff and leaving room for that spontaneity leaving the possibility for things to go wrong that's part of the process and that's kind of awesome uh, to have things go wrong and figure out how to deal with them those hurdles that's that's cool i mean i'm sure it's not cool if there's something like wholly insurmountable um which it's totally plausible that – so I don't think anybody saw this on the video, but the build table had this massive awning above it. Uh, it was held up by I don't know how many posts. It was a weird shape though, you know, and that kept the kept some shade underneath. And so the pine needles and, and stuff collected on that instead of dropping on the table. I was so irrationally afraid that – one of the winches uh, or poles or something with that awning set up would go wrong and the tent would essentially fall down on the table, which normally is not a big deal. Who cares? You put it back up, but it would obliterate that pasta chair. And I was terrified that eh, it's like a, a breeze or a gust of wind or something would come or the rope would fail and what do we do if the thing gets mashed into bits like a day before? There's literally no time because epoxy takes 24 hours to cure. Uh, even like half strength, it's not going to be done in time. Uh, that totally could have happened. That would have been the worst video too. After all that to be like, and then the, yeah. uh, this tent fell on it and broke it at the end. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, I don't that wouldn't have been entertaining at done. all for anyone. I no. think it would have, that video wouldn't have come out. No, no, it just wouldn't have. Just would have been um, over. Yeah. So there's, there's that blend too of wanting to deal with challenges, but not life ruining challenges. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not project ruining challenges, but right. This is all to say, hopefully we can do more of these. You know, there are definitely yeah. some more ideas that we're going to develop to do more of these. Uh, I don't know that it'll happen tomorrow or, you know, the next day, but hopefully in the future we're able to do that. I hope that this was helpful to people to to understand kind of what it's like to get a call that, you know, somebody wants you to make this thing and it's like... <laughs> all right, how do, how do we do this now? You know? And, mm -hmm. and, and also just understand that as stressful as it was, I think it was totally worth it. Sometimes you need that stress in your life to kind of get you to do things that maybe, you know, you, you wouldn't have done otherwise. And I wouldn't have done this video, uh, with, without this opportunity, you know, from, from last mm -hmm. pass. So I'm thankful to them for that. We got to get to the other side of our wormhole. We got to talk, 
more baby gang stuff. We got to talk about the stuff we're doing for all of our patrons because it's not yep. just the baby gang. Everybody who is a patron of the Create Unknown, you will be hearing from us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Yep. So let's – Yeah. Like you have plans for that. We have stuff uh, uh, mm-hmm. waiting in the wings for when you get back from, from Armenia, ready to go. We have Eagle Brand sardine patches. Yes. Because again, thanks thanks to our sponsor of the Create Unknown, Eagle Brand Sardines, <laughs> uh, for giving us everything we need to make the Create Unknown happen. Um, we're fueled by sardines. Uh, I have sardines. I forgot them. I have. I have the next episode. I'll. I'll eat yeah. the sardine on camera. I know. I promised. I said I would do that. Yes. I bought them yesterday. Uh, I forgot today. But next episode, mm-hmm. I will. I will eat a sardine. I thought because we we thought we were going to record an episode in Italy at the villa, and the way the timing worked out, just we could not swing it. I mean, we caught it so close on everything. And I mean, technically, we could have, we would have been idiotic zombies if we'd gone into the night. Mm. If we'd gone into the night and done something, it, it would have, it would have been abysmal. So yeah. the smart thing was not to do it right then. But when we went shopping, uh, I bought some sardines there. Oh yeah, and they and they made it back. They made it back. Mora threw them in my boot. Um into my suitcase yeah she, so in in the kitchen i saw him the, the other day aren't you that, not supposed uh, to do that what do you mean like smuggle food or is it just like oh pro- i think produce what, what are yeah, you not allowed to bring uh, dairy is a big one um produce is big because anything that's been from a farm and isn't processed that's really what it's about so mm. something in a can is okay oh. uh so like the sardines in the tin like that's not going to be a problem but if okay. you had like if you had like a bag of salted cod that was just <laughs> in your backpack as i do you, like yeah as <laughs> you sometimes do you know that's not going to make it but but yeah so the sardines the italian sardines which say it just in big letters it says delicious on the front that's it you know there's like an image of sardines and just delicious um they made it back alive they, well, they're not, oh. but uh, <laughs> the uh, the tin is is well and good in the kitchen, and I don't know what I'm going to do with those because why don't we well, do like a simultaneous? No, 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 no! I hate this already. Simultaneous sardine, <laughs> the simultaneous sardine. <laughs> I knew that's where this was going, and I hate this. Uh, you brought it up. I mean, you brought up that you have Italian sardines. Look, let's let's uh, let's continue this on the other side. Uh, the, okay. the wormholes at patreon.com slash the create unknown. Please join us over there. We will be talking all about the things that we are going, we are going to do for our patrons, which includes mm-hmm. sending some stuff in the mail, no matter who you are, no matter what right. tier you're at, you will receive something from us, but we're going to go over there right now. Patreon.com slash the create unknown for everybody else. Thank you so much for watching and for listening until next time see you space cowboys Ariba Derchi. Ariba Derchi. Ariba McIntyre
Thanks for listening to The Create Unknown. There's more episode waiting for you, but to keep listening, sign up at patreon.com slash thecreateunknown. You can hear the rest of our conversation as well as unlock the ad-free feed, get exclusive content, join the idea baby gang, and more. So find us over at patreon.com slash thecreateunknown. Thanks for listening to The Create Unknown. If you liked what you heard, and I certainly hope that you did, please subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast and leave us a review on Podchaser and Apple Podcasts. Those reviews really go a long way. While you're at it, you can also watch the video version of this show on youtube.com slash thecreateunknown. Check out our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash thecreateunknown. You can get the full episode. You can join the Idea Baby Gang, become one of the known access creator services. There's a lot going on on our Patreon. It's all part of phase three of TCU. So go to patreon.com slash thecreateunknown. Follow us on social media. We tweet at createunknown. We're on Facebook and Instagram at thecreateunknown. You can follow me, Matt, and the show on Podchaser for podcast updates. You can also find a link to our Discord in the show notes. We love our Discord because we get to talk to you and you get to talk to us. So join our Discord. Our website is thecreateunknown.com. The Create Unknown is an unknown media production. We've been your hosts, Kevin Lieber and Matt Tabor. Check out what we do on YouTube at Vsauce2 and on Twitter at KevLieb and TaborTCU. Links in the show notes. Executive producer is Dave Kiney. Our theme song is by the incredible Mega Drive. Special thanks to Paula Lieber, Mo Lewitt, and Dorothy Kiney. Until next time, see ya, Space Cowboys. Once again, this episode was brought to you by Audible. Pick up your free audiobook by going to audibletrial.com slash thecreateunknown. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash thecreateunknown. Do it. Your brain and your ears will thank you. Patreon.com slash the create unknown. It's like an elephant for your ears. That makes no sense.